We know that um, hope is a very important virtue for our faith. And uh, in this time of uncertainty, uh, Pope Francis uh, tirelessly invites everyone to welcome the gift of hope that comes from Christ. It is he who helps us navigate the tumultuous waters of sickness, death, and injustice, which do not have the last word over our final destination. The Living Church, serving the Episcopal Church and Anglican Communion since 1878. Welcome to The Living Church Podcast. Lately, you may have heard about Pope Francis taking some heat for not being more severe and explicit with Vladimir Putin in denouncing Russian aggression against Ukraine. Well, yesterday evening, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about the papacy, which you do on a Monday evening, you know. And this is because I was taking a walk in my neighborhood listening to a recent episode of the Commonweal podcast. And on it, New Yorker staff writer Paul Ellie points out that as we wait to see how the Pope and other church leaders will respond to the situation in Ukraine, we're still in a time when so many things about the papacy and church leadership and how they function on the world stage and in cooperation with other Christians is really unprecedented. Whatever has happened in the past, however we've convened or not convened together, as the case may be, we really don't know what's still possible here in terms of Christian witness and hope. This is pretty good stuff to ponder in time for Lambeth, I would say. Pope Francis has undoubtedly been addressing some of the biggest issues of our time in some very public ways. Notably, as many of you will know, with La Dacia Si and Fratelli Tutti. And today we're getting an inside look into the what now question, into how the Vatican is taking on these suites of issues that affect human flourishing in our time, and which were made manifestly clear during the COVID-19 crisis. For this insider look, I had the pleasure of chatting with Mr. Alessio Pecorario. Alessio has quite a job at the Vatican. He is the coordinator of the security task force of the Vatican COVID-19 Commission, and he's also a senior official of the Vatican's dicastery for promoting integral human development. And this includes many areas of dialogue and oversight. We'll talk a bit more about what it includes and about Alessio's background in the interview. Today, we discuss the importance of Christian witness in this moment, Christian unity, even amid disagreement. We talk about Anglican vocations to unity and dialogue that dovetail with Catholic gifts. And we discuss the gift of the papacy to strengthen the influence of positive Christian leadership worldwide. Now, before I let you go here, I've been meaning to ask you, dear listener, for feedback about this podcast. How do you like it these days? This show is for invested Christian leaders like you. So what do you want to hear more of? What have you enjoyed? What would you like from this that you don't currently have? If you have a comment, an idea, email me, ambernoel at livingchurch.org. I would love to hear from you. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy this episode, send it along to a friend. I'd always appreciate it. And now let's head to the heart of Rome for a listening session on Christian leadership and care for our world. We hope you enjoy the conversation.
Alessio, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's an honor. Thank, thank you so much for the kind invitation. I am really honored as well. Alessio, first off, can you share with us just a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got involved in the work that you're doing at the Vatican? First of all, I am um, an husband and a father of uh, two <laughs> fantastic uh, children, a boy, six-year-old, and um, a baby girl of just uh, three years old. Oh. And uh, I have, uh, I am, <laughs> thanks, I, I am, a, um, let's say, a legal expert in, uh, by formation. I am a PhD in constitutional comparative law. And I have also, uh, let's say, prepared myself into the Italian Academy for Diplomacy. Spent um, some years uh, uh, working at international organizations in Europe, especially the, um, the OC in Vienna and the Council of Europe at Strasbourg. And uh, my first assignment at the Vatican was in uh, financial intelligence uh, to, let's say, prevent and counter uh, money laundering and um, financing on terrorism. And then I have accompanied the process of merging of the four former pontifical councils into that, the dicastery that now is called the dicastery for promoting integral human development, where I am in charge of uh, disarmament and peace building. And lastly, I am the coordinator of the Vatican COVID-19 Commission, uh, where I coordinate the security task force. So you have a legal background, and then you went into financial work, and now you're in charge of a program for integral human development. So what does this mean, integral human development? How, how would you explain that to the average person? There is a risk that uh, discussions of integral human development uh, become too wide-reaching. Uh, however, the goal of IHD is quite simple, if uh, nevertheless broad. This goal is to allow every human being to reach a state in which there are no barriers to achieving their full potential. This means uh, removing structural barriers and injustice which hold people back from achieving full flourishing. In practice, this looks like protecting the right to life, property, food, education, health, labor, culture, healthy environment, and the cessation of violent conflicts among countless other rights. The integral perspective means that we take all of these issues as interrelated. Each requires the other for its actualization. So we pursue all simultaneously. The Catholic Church, through its various organs in the Vatican and across the world, bishops, conferences, it's, uh, schools, hospitals, religious orders, etc., works together to provide both a vision of this flourishing human family, according to the elect of Gospels, and the church social tradition, and works to bring uh, this vision to reality by serving people everywhere. It just occurred to me that all of these things that, that we are concerned about as Christians, and frankly as human beings, um, things that have having to do with human rights, for instance, that when these things are not addressed, the vocation that we have to respond to God in love is actually impeded, is actually put on, on pause in some ways. And of course, in, in situations of great distress, in situations of war, in situations that are opposed to human rights, great acts and deeds of love and sacrifice emerge from that. But still, we don't want war to be a necessity for there to be acts of love and sacrifice. We want these things ideally to happen in situations of 
peace and of of goodwill and of people being well and being whole. I fully agree with uh, with uh, with your comment, and uh, I I have nothing <laughs> to add because it, it's it's uh, 100% agree with you. Our listeners would be really interested to hear the sweep of what you guys are doing. It's it's beautiful and it's quite ambitious. Yeah, uh, the COVID-19 commission is, let's say, the institutional but, uh, institutional response of the Pope to the emerging crisis of the pandemic. And we have also, let's say, a connection, which is the most important. Actually, the first working group is the connection with the local churches so that uh, the first message of the Pope is to respond to the needs of the human beings on the ground. And to us, of course, this means the incredible support that we can have, for example, by listening from the, our parishes or bishops. And, and, um, and of course, uh, there is also a working group uh, that is the one that you can see all these task forces. I coordinate the security, but we have one on ecology, economy, and health, of course, and migration, etc., precisely because uh, the pandemic is affecting in an interconnected, um, interconnected way all these, all these dimensions. So that's why these task forces are main, basically network of networks. Only in my security task force, I coordinate, uh, let's say, 20 international networks working on each dimension of security, nuclear and conventional disarmament, food security, health security, peace building, and uh, many others. So 20 international networks with ramification practically in, in any corner of the world has, let's say, appointed a representative or more to work with us in helping the Pope in, uh, let's say, preparing the future. This is the message of the, of, the, of, the, of the commission. Preparing the future now to, let's say, avoid the, the contradiction that have generated the pandemic uh, would represent a gain. So in the pandemic, we have seen all of these, the, the urgency of all these different areas come out because in, a, in a particular way, because they are all, as you said, interconnected and affect the ability for human beings around the world to flourish. Where did this sweep of ministries come from? Did it come from the Holy See hearing from local churches and from dioceses around the world and picking up on these needs and then putting it together into a program? Or did it begin with the Holy See saying, we believe that these issues are urgent and important. We, we, we already observe it. And then communicating this to the local level. So was it more grassroots up or was it more from the top down? Both, I would say, uh, meaning that, uh, let's say, uh, actually, when we simplify uh, for, for, uh, to describe the Vatican COVID-19 Commission, very often we say that, uh, uh, let's say, we try to establish, uh, let's say, a vertical uh, collaboration no, among the local churches and the global governance. This comes, of course, from the, to, from the uh, uniqueness of the Holy Scene, the fact that our diplomacy is um, uh, the diplomacy of a state, which at the same time it's a church, is an NGO, we could say, all these things together. So first of all, the vertical need to connect the, the bottom-up, let's say, um, the, the, the needs on the ground with the global governance, and horizontally to um, uh, foster the collaboration 
between science and uh, theology or reason and faith uh, in these um, task forces that I was uh, listing before, uh, there is a huge variety of, variety of voices, uh, most of them non-Catholics. Non, non so uh, to respond to your questions, I think, I think that uh, the central point is the Pope. Uh, the image of the Pope uh, um, praying alone in a, a very heavy rain in Rome when the pandemic was declared in, um, in 2020, uh, it's, it's really an image of the, the need for the Church to act together, as I was saying, vertically in collaboration from the Church, from the local churches to the diplomacy of the Vatican, uh, and horizontally to reach the others in communication, because nobody can save alone. We can only, let's say, get out better or worse from the pandemic, that the, the Pope says, and so we need to do uh, that encountering and listening and collaborating and connecting and inspiring the others. Mm -hmm. And this is a great gift of organization, an organization that can go from the local level to the global level, and that's a great gift that the Catholic Church gives to Christians around the world in this time of global crises that are just seeming to come one on top of a, of the other. These areas that you are overseeing, that you're seeking to minister in, yet they're also some of the most divisive. For example, nuclear disarmament. Unfortunately, we haven't we haven't come to an agreement on that altogether, and yet. This issue has become freshly pertinent with the recent Russian attacks in Ukraine. And all of your ministries have these far-reaching implications. And so, even with deep division among Christians around the world about what these issues mean, about how important they are, about especially about how to address them, and even among Christians whether some of these issues like climate change are real, still, do you... Do you believe the church has a unique role to play? I believe you do. And how so? How does the church have a unique role to play, even with such deep Christian division? Well, it is difficult to quickly sum up uh, the church's role, uh, since it's so multifaceted, as, as, uh, as we were saying, and operates through such a wide range of actors and contexts. Uh, perhaps what is most unique about the church's role is convening power. Uh, its neutrality in a wide range of issues allows it to reach out uh, uh, to many varied uh, actors in pursuit of reconciliation and consensus. For example, uh, in the dire crisis that is the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, the OEC has maintained open lines of communication with Russia while also showing support of Ukraine and condemning the invasion. This method allows for the OEC position to be clear while also maintaining the lines of communication for a hypothetical mediation scenario perhaps in the future. Another example of this unique role is the work currently being done on new and emerging technologies um, with the intention uh, to better understand the world of new and emerging technologies and their impacts on, on humanity, particularly integral human development and peace. The OEC is engaging in dialogues with uh, both high-level experts and grassroots activists uh, regarding the implication of this development. Through this process, it seeks to apply its uh, centuries-old moral and ethical tradition to this rapidly evolving field for the benefit uh, of the world. So this, I'm hearing this, this gift of the Catholic Church and actually the, the gift 
of from from the earliest church of the episcopacy, the gift of bishops, the gift of leadership in the church and leadership that can be recognized not only by those in the church, but interestingly, leadership that can be recognized by political leaders on a large scale to provide a Christian witness and also to be politically effective, even on a large scale. I'd like to ask you a question about the the spiritual effectiveness of the church. What does the body of Christ add to these dialogues? Thank you so much. The, these questions, uh, to me, of course, is let's say trying to to address the the, the issue of also ecumenism. And I want to start by saying that I'm not an expert of econ- uh, ecumenism, but. Uh, um, take my words as a genuine effort to, to respond to a complex question without attributing to them any formal role. Um, well, um, I have seen now, for example, Christian diversity can play an extremely positive role when it is an ingredient of a proper culture of encounter. Uh, for example, on uh, 23rd March uh, 2021, uh, our uh, decastery hosted the online event Advanced Disarmament in Times of Pandemic. Uh, religious representatives and re- researchers reflected on the force to promote a global ceasefire by stopping weapons production and proliferation to support the United Nations Secretary General and Pope Francis also calls for a global ceasefire. Uh, the event offered the international community and religious leaders concrete options to follow the path of integral disarmament in response to the encyclical Fratelli Tutti. The various Christian voices uh, at the table, from the five cardinal Cardinals present on behalf of the Holy See to the Anglican Archbishop of York, Stephen Cottrell, the Reverend uh, uh, John Chung Park, uh, President of the World Methodist Council, and many others from the Christian world, uh, while united together for the cause of peace, offered uh, such a richness of different options that gave a unique meaning um, to the purpose of the whole gathering. At the same time, and precisely this alliance, let's say, magnified to me, the importance that the Christian unity can play at the global level. Jesus himself prayed that these disciples may all be one, so that the, the world may know what you have sent to me and have loved them as you have loved me. Of course, most of the work of healing divisions between Christian centers, historical, theological difference, which uh, as I said I wouldn't be able to address. Yet from our side, uh, the ongoing development of Catholic social teaching with regard to just war theory and the deployment of modern weaponry, such as the rejection of nuclear deterrence, international security relations, which we find in Fratelli Tutti, is greatly appreciated by many other Christians. Therefore, by acknowledging that the important variety of attitudes we can have as Christians extend also to the field of social life, I hope it's too far to conclude that in, uh, in the domains that I'm called to cover in my ordinary work and peace building above all, the Catholic Church has much to learn from its ecumenical partners and much to offer. Interested in strengthening your Anglican formation or strengthening the formation of someone on your staff or in your diocese. Come and join us or send a few lucky people to Oklahoma City this September for Love's Redeeming Work, a two-day conference specially tailored for clergy and seminarians as a deep dive into the Anglican tradition, the history, theology, preaching, and beauty. 
It'll be a rich time of fellowship, learning, shared meals, and prayer. Keynote speakers include the Reverend Dr. Ephraim Radner and the Right Reverend Joseph Galgalo. Right now, we have special discounts for early birds, and student tickets begin at just 25 bucks. Check it out at tlci.livingchurch.org forward slash calendar, or just click the link in the show notes to see the schedule and register with an automatically applied early bird discount. That's tlci.livingchurch.org forward slash calendar, or click the link in the show notes. I am curious uh, to learn more about your work in climate change and creation care, specifically because climate change and creation care is a big item on the agenda for the Lambeth Conference in London. So how does, and and by the way, Laudato Si is just, (laughs) as you know, such an incredible book and and any of our listeners, I'd recommend you go out and, and read this book, if you have not, it's an encyclical uh, by Pope Francis about creation care and climate change and the identity of the earth as one of the poor that Jesus blesses and admonishes us to take care of. And it's an incredible book. It really rocks your imagination. So I would, I would definitely recommend it as a, as a challenge and as, and as a pleasure as well. And that's going to be, that's a book that's inspiring. I know without a doubt, a lot of people's thoughts and contemplations about climate change and creation care coming into the Lambeth Conference of Anglican Bishops. So how does climate change and creation care affect these other areas of your ministry? Pope Francis, uh, precisely in the encyclical that you were mentioning, Laudato Si, has been very clear about the the primacy uh, of care of creation to um, undergird the work. In keeping with the integral spirit, this process of integral ecology pervades every effort. By this concept, everything is connected, as the Pope says. For example, rising temperatures lead to droughts, droughts led to conflict, conflict led to famine, and so on. In this way, we consider the ecological dimensions of every security topic and the impact they have on the average person. More broadly, viewing traditional security issues through an ecological lens uh, that is uh, with the the understanding of the interconnectedness of all things, even things that are not clearly related, leads to a more um, far-sighted understanding of the reality of the situation and more more productive eventual solutions. I would say also that uh, this is a very uh, call that normally is, is uh, understood uh, globally, not only by the other Christian denominations, but uh, also the non-Christians. And I think that is something that where we can expect um, to learn from the others and uh, also to continue the collaboration uh, on the offer that we are doing. I want to mention from our uh, side a powerful initiative that is the Navdato C Action Platform that I wish you all to, to join which is um, a platform for precisely that uh, um, around the seven goals, uh, try to connect seven categories of, um, of, of actors uh, on seven goals and uh, with seven, let's say, policy, policy instruments and, on and so on. And uh, uh, this is a very powerful, let's say, network because especially young people, we see that uh, have a lot of um, attention to this and are really in very numerously joining this campaign and uh, 
because they, 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 they feel on, on themselves the critical situation that they're facing. And so it's also a place that, uh, if you want, is able to immediately respond to the issue of the intergenerational justice, which again is something that all Christian denominations are, let's say, interested in. I love this phrase, intergenerational justice. That's sort of what what we are doing in this moment and how we're conducting ourselves as Christians in, in any generation is planting seeds for what future generations will reap and how they are enabled or obstructed in pursuing their vocations in loving and being loved and in living in basic human security uh, and, and flourishing. You know, I also hear something else, Alessio, in, because all these, these areas are so connected and, and one of the, the broadest threads is this thread of, of uh, climate change and creation care. Catholic social teaching is such an important part of Catholic Christian witness. And that if all of these things, the care for the poor, those who don't have enough food, those who are sick and need medicine, um, burying the dead with dignity, I mean, all all of these things, taking care of refugees, that if these are all connected in some way with our natural environment, then the ability to be faithful with Catholic social teaching, all of these things are connected to the ability to be faithful in responding to issues of climate change. Would you say that that's accurate? Uh, sorry, can you repeat the last part of the, the, the question? Because I have... Uh... Yes, I also have a habit of asking very long questions. <laughs> <laughs> this is a place, this is an area of improvement for me as, a, as, a, um, as an interviewer, an area of greater sanctification. <laughs> Catholic social teaching in our time is based on a very basic level integrated with care for creation and for the environment. So to not respond faithfully to environmental concerns means that you can't fulfill the requirements and the demands of, of Catholic social teaching. So all that, that's not really a question, I suppose, but I wonder if you, if you have a comment there that you would like to add that you would feel comfortable adding? Um, yeah, no, I know. I, I think that you're, you're, you're perfectly right. And, and uh, um, it is true that uh, the, 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 let's say, uh, concern from uh, uh, climate change and for environmental issues more in general is a good connector and uh, uh, of uh, all the dimensions that we were listing before. And it's not by chance that is central to, to Pope Francis' vision. I think it's, uh, uh, this of course has important repercussions of our, let's say, abilities of um, people of faith to respond to, 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 to the, let's say, prescription of our own faith. And uh, it's also uh, uh, very powerful, of, um, for example, to, to non-Christian to be, to be understood. And I think that's, uh, it's, 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 it's also helping our faith in becoming, let's say, less dogmatic. I don't know if it makes sense mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But, you know, having 
the, the Laudato Si at the center, something like climate change, is also a new uh, structure of uh, uh, encyclicals on social domains because you start from something that unites you with the others. So to me, this is not only, let's say, most importantly, of course, a verification of my faith, I don't know how to say, a challenge for my faith, but also it's something that uh, makes me the possibility to dialogue in a very broad way. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. In all of this work and in all of these dialogues that you're having, I know sometimes the work has to seem daunting, has to seem so huge. But what I'm curious about is where you see some of the greatest signs of hope. Where do, where do you see some of the most creative and hopeful work being done that gives you a real sense of encouragement? Often uh, hope and challenges go uh, uh end in end and very true yeah. very true <laughs> yeah. and and well this is also not something very important for from uh, the faith for our faith uh, because indeed we are living a turning point of history um, it's highly cri- critical to see uh, signs of hope especially if we connect the current war at ukraine to the pandemic and to the financial uh, and economic crisis of 2007 and 2008 uh, the challenge that we are witnessing are epochal, interconnected and unprecedented uh, health and sociopolitical crises um, that have taken root one piece at a time and very fast. Um, every sector of the economy and the society and every state of the international community is suffering from the increasing inequalities and contradictions. For example, violence is an economy uh, of exclusion that continues to discard human dignity by separating the poor and the marginalized from the prosperity enjoyed by the few. Billions of refugees who are denied access to the very basic human needs or detained for lack of proper identification are left as displaced people in squalid camps and rendered stateless or held in secretive prisons in third countries. Um, Not to mention the twin existential threat of climate change uh, and nuclear war, Honestly, where you can see hope in all of that, no? Uh, At the same time, uh, we know that um, uh, hope is a very important virtue for for, for our faith. And uh, in this time of uncertainty, uh, Pope Francis uh, tirelessly invites everyone to welcome the gift of hope that comes from Christ. It is he who helps us navigate the tumultuous waters of sickness, death, and injustice, Justice, which do not have the last word over our final destination. This is what our faith says. So let me tackle only one point among many. During recent dramatic days, uh, that uh, since the uh, start of the war in, in Ukraine, uh, the observation that is offered leaving against the Pope uh, when, for example, he condemns nuclear deterrence has resounded often in my mind. Um, as the Pope says, the use of atomic energy for purpose of war is today more than ever a crime, not only against the dignity of human beings, but against any possible future of our common home. As a person in charge of coordinating initiatives on international security issues, to my view, a concrete sign of hope is, for example, the Treaty for the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. I know that um, uh, from a security point of view, uh, there are many opposition we can say that what is the purpose of a treaty against nuclear weapons 
without the participation, even the mere participation of the state that possessed the nuclear weapons. Again, so we can say, is this too naive? But the OLC has supported this initiative since the very beginning, especially because, know that, because we know that uh, along with the 122 states that signed the treaty, uh, those who have ratified the OLC was the first among them. And now the treaty is a part of the international came into force. We know that also the overwhelming majority of um, uh, the, the public opinion inside the state that have nuclear weapons are against this, this, this money, for example, spent on instruments that make us less secure, paradoxically, as we are seeing today. So the real um, uh, uh, need today here is to reach th this critical mass and uh, uh, stimulate a public debate on these issues, uh, as we are seeing, for example, on climate change. And I also see in what you've described that persistence itself is an act of hope, that to provide a persistent Christian witness in any one area. And I'm even thinking of listeners who may have a very specific, unless one of our listeners is Pope Francis, none of our listeners is Pope Francis. So, so if you're listening right now and you are not Pope Francis, you still have also a persistent Christian witness in an area. And that may not be that you're in charge of a treaty regarding nuclear disarmament. Maybe you are involved on a large level, but maybe you're involved in a very small area. Maybe you help tag birds in a forest to help with the bird diversity in, in the area of Alabama that you live in, okay? Or maybe you're involved in certain prayer ministries that are a persistent Christian witness to your community. Or maybe you are involved in protests in a prayerful way. Wherever your place of persistent Christian witness is, I just, I want to, I want to second what um, my brother Alessio is just pointing out is, is that persistence itself, even if it looks foolish, maybe sometimes especially if it looks foolish in the world's eyes, is itself an act of profound hope that plants the seeds for God to do great work. Now, I've Alessio, I've never been in the work that you're in. You are in charge of a lot. Your, your job sounds really intense. But I do work for a nonprofit, and most of our listeners are Christian leaders of one stripe or another. But it can be really easy to get into a mode where you feel like you have to save the world. How are your own spiritual practices a source of strength for you in this complex work that you do? Well, you were saying, um, mentioning before the, the importance of uh, persistence, no? And uh, being persistent uh, sometimes is possible just because of the spirituality that you develop in your own life. There are some times that, uh, yes, you're right, and, and uh, that we cover a lot of, of things. I, I, I do that uh, thanks the, uh, to the collaboration of many colleagues. But there are days that it's really, really uh, almost in mission impossible. No? Uh, we, we work, uh, especially since the creation of the commission, 24-7. <laughs> so um, the first level of spirituality that uh, uh, I find in my life is in my own family, uh, because um, I think that uh, even if uh, we don't talk too much, my kids are very young, six and three, as I was saying, no? 
also my wife, we are completely different, uh, sometimes often, no? she's a statistic, statistician. So, but uh, I think that in the eyes, um, when I'm abroad, for example, when I, love, when I work um, too much and all this time during the week, I can see a, 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 um, in their look a, a gratitude. And this comes from me to, 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 let's say, beyond us, to the spirituality that we were saying. This is the source of energy. And, 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 and of course, the practicing um, spirituality is also very important because, let's say, a family outside, let's say, the, 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 the social body that for us is the parish, uh, the Catholic world that um, we believe, no? Uh, it's like for ourselves being uh, outside the human body. So you need to exercise spirituality by yourself uh, and in, in your family, in your community. I think this is, this is vital for the uh, persistence that you were mentioning before, not. A final question about your work here, Alessio. What touches your heart the most about what you do for the Vatican? I, I started to say that I, I, I started to study my, let's say, professional activity the diplomatic career, uh, even if I've never become an Italian diplomat, but I worked in international organizations. I know very well the work of governments. Um, I think that if I should respond to your question, what keeps me coming back uh, office to, <laughs> to this work is the fact that uh, with all our limitations, scenes, contradictions, etc., the Olysses is really a unique place where you can advocate not only, uh, let's say, for the participation, but even for the leadership by those that are excluded from a dignified life. So the poor, the marginalized, the victim of work, the migrants. This is uh, really what touched uh, my heart and uh, most uh, allows me to counter one of the most dangerous human attitudes against the common good, which is indifference. And it's not by chance that the Pope uh, uh, at the heart of his last encyclical, Fratelli Tutti, all brothers and sisters, says that uh, everything starts by not being different to the problem of the problem of the people and by touching their bones. No, he good. He makes the example of the good Samaritan. If you don't stop, if you don't touch uh, the problems of the people, uh, well, this make your life. I mean, condemned to be very poor first of all. So it's not a a moral judgment is, and of course, an invitation to the press, on the contrary, to motivate the people. We have our responsibilities, and from that we have to, let's say, make our uh, engagement uh, even more and more important, and acting like the Christians are supposed to, to, to act in imitation of the Christ. That makes complete sense why that would touch your heart, why that would be a, an energizing place for you that actually touched my heart this morning. So thank you for sharing that. Alessio, it has been too long since I've been in Rome. I'm already wishing that I had a pastry in one hand and a cafe in the other hand, but unfortunately I don't. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, but thank you so much for coming all the way from Rome to join me here today. It's It's been a pleasure. And again, it's been an honor. Thank you so much. Likewise, it, it has been a pleasure and, and an honor to me. Please, anytime. I feel very privileged to be in Atlanta uh, this <laughs> afternoon or this morning. <laughs> 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 
If you want to visit the Laudato Si action platform Alessio mentioned, just see the link in the show notes today. And thanks for tuning in to the Living Church Podcast, a ministry of the Living Church Institute. Again, let me know how you're enjoying this podcast or what you think we could give you more of by emailing me at ambernoel at livingchurch.org. Within two weeks, we hope to have an update for you from Alessio in light of the latest developments in the Ukraine, which we may release as a bonus episode. Also coming up is a conversation with our good friend in Wales, the Reverend Dr. Mark Clavier, about his vocation as a pastor, the role creation can play in conversion, and how care for the environment is linked to evangelism. Until then, I'm Amber Noel, your host, and it has been good to be with you. Peace.